Coming up on Over a Barrel, a Navy warship has just fired on an oil tanker in the Strait of Hormuz. Um, Iranian Navy, by the way, right? Yes. uh, uh, Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you. An Iranian Navy warship. Things have kind of been simmering there. I know Iran has seized a couple of uh, commercial oil tankers. Now they're apparently firing shots. So are the prices on the way up or down? Find out the answer now on Over a Barrel. Welcome to Over Barrel. This is episode number 19. I'm Patrick DeHaan along here with co-host Matt McLean. Matt, we are now, I think, at the half point of summer. July 4 is behind us. Hopefully you had a terrific July 4. I did have a terrific uh, July 4th. Got to see some amazing fireworks uh, that night. And uh, yes, I, I can't really complain about much of anything. Plus, for the moment, gas prices have fallen down, at least in my area, below three bucks a gallon. But I know I'm I'm lucky and fortunate versus other areas of the country. So <laughs> there is you're, you're bragging and other people are like, what in the world? No, you're, you're right, though. Um, actually, just in time for July 4. And Matt, I, I love tr- trying, trying to bust this myth because every holiday it resurfaces. Gas prices went down nationally ahead of July 4. So can we put that myth aside that prices don't just go up because it's whatever holiday we say it is? Prices move on a yearly basis based on supply and demand on a weekly, daily, yearly basis based on supply and demand, right? It's not like gas stations are like, oh, hey, look, we can gouge on holiday, but they can't other times. It's it's just the movement of the price of oil. And actually, Matt, as we've talked about in the past, um, prices actually tend to ease during the course of the summer. So right on cue, um, as we stand today, um, you know, we've made it through July 4. The national average still down about five and a half cents from a week ago. So beautiful. Americans were saving at the pump. Interestingly, Matt, um, the national average fell even below our expectations on July 4. Uh, we had expected national average of 349. And thanks to Sheets, um, this is not a promotional sponsored content, but thanks to Sheets, um, they lowered their prices for anyone on the East Coast. Matt, I don't know if you heard about this. No. And for those who have no idea what Sheets happens to be, can you explain that as well? Sheets go on top of your bedding. No, it's a type of gas station out on the East Coast. Uh, S-H-E-E-T-Z, Sheets, um, is a major uh, brand of stations. Uh, I want to say they have several hundred, uh, hundreds of stations throughout areas like Pennsylvania, I think is one of their biggest markets. Um, The Carolinas, you know, basically the East Coast. Um, They have a lot of outlets and they ran a promotion over July 4. Um, they charged for every grade of gasoline, Matt, this is, this is the amazing part. Uh, every grade of gasoline at sheets locations was a dollar and 77 cents and six tenths, right? 1776 independence day. Nice. So, uh, you know, a lot of Americans saved a lot of money. And by the way, I think they did it on July format because against conventional wisdom, July four is actually the day with the lowest gasoline consumption of all the days over the weekend because what do americans do on july 4 we park we picnic Mm. we boat right we're outside enjoying the day we're not traveling to where we're going right everybody did that over the weekend that's a very good point yeah they've got about 670 or so locations so i bet that impacted the price of gas for a little bit as well yeah you know uh so whoever out there by the way and and I, i did see some social media posts that oh, hey, if they can lower it to this price for July 4, are they gouging the rest of the time? And actually, Matt, um, as an analyst who gets to look at 
you know, what Sheets is basically paying, I can confidently tell you that on every gallon of regular gasoline, now it does vary by state, but they were generally losing over a dollar a gallon on regular. They were losing about a dollar and 50 cents on premium. Uh, might've actually been closer to $2 a gallon on premium because wow. while they, while all the grades were the same price, the cost to them for premium is, is obviously much more. So so they were yeah. basically using the gas pump as what I would call a losing leader for like a grocery store where the grocery store might lower the price of a gallon of milk to below what they're actually paying for it to get you through the door. And oh, by the way, as you're happening to making your way toward the gallon of milk, <laughs> they happen to put a few things, you know, out and about that will sure. tempt you where they can make their actual profit from. So that's, well, that's kind of cool. You know, the interesting thing about, uh, about it is, like, like you just described, loss leader generally means that they're trying to get you to the location, right, where they can make up the loss on that gallon of, of milk or something else. Or maybe the milk's on sale and they, they get you somewhere else. So, right, that's that's like Costco's model is is enticing you to their location with delicious $10 pizzas and cheap gas and rotisserie chickens. And then when you buy 75 rolls of toilet paper, you know, the, the profit margin is there. Right. The difference here, Matt, is that this gasoline? I mean, it may you could call it a loss leader, but do the do the savings right. If if oh, they yeah. were losing a dollar fifty a gallon times a fill up is is you know they're they're every customer full tank is a, a twenty dollar loss. I, I don't know about you, but a twenty dollar loss means that they're probably having to make a sale of forty dollars inside the convenience store on like chips and pop. I don't think I've ever seen somebody come out of a convenience store forty dollars lighter. Well, that's also fair. You know, with snacks and chips and pop and, and hot dogs, right? Unless they're unless they're feeding an army. I see your point. No, I, I absolutely. So they were just basically saying, hey, it's the 4th of July. We're going to celebrate yeah. our freedom and our independence. And oh, by the way, here's a good deal on gas. Have fun. A absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'll take it to the bank every day. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not poo-pooing that. But people should know that they lost money on every gallon. But Matt, they got a lot of really solid um, media mentions and a lot of a lot, you know, you look at brands, right? The brand affinity just got boosted big time by the fact that for a day, even if it's a day, people sat in line, people, I mean, why are we on this podcast? Because people are really passionate about low gas prices. And when they see them, like what Sheets did, is it going to be talked about for a while, right? People are taking pictures on social media. They're really happy with Sheets. They're going to continue to patronize Sheets. Loyalty. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's the space that we live in is look at all the loyalty programs, Matt. They have varying levels of success. But Matt, I mean, let's be honest. If you could save, you know, a couple pennies on a, a gallon of gasoline or a dollar fifty a gallon, the value proposition is pretty big for that 1776 gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. And that also puts pressure on other gas stations as well to try to maybe do something in the future where really the consumer may come out the winner in all of this. Oh, consumer absolutely is the big winner here. Um, but I you know, Sheets isn't gonna do it unless there's there's something in it for them, right? I mean, sure. Startups and whatnot, um, losing money is not a successful uh, a sales strategy on a on a you know daily basis year round. But again, when you want to boost your brand's affinity score and have people associate you with the positivity of a of, of cheap gas, I mean that's a that's a terrific uh, that's a terrific campaign, and it probably paid for itself and all the positive media mentions and the good vibes. Right, people are going to remember that for a long time. That's exactly why Southwest during its meltdown. What do you do? You just start handing out cash. You're going to lose money, but you have to salvage your brand. And that's why like companies like Southwest Airlines, even United Airlines, Matt, 
over the last couple of weeks have have struggled. And so what is United Airlines doing? They've been throwing 30,000 um, airline miles at customers that have yeah. been affected. So that's how you claw back customers. Yeah, and that's kind of important too. So for every every kind of big type of a situation like that, you know that it's probably going to cost you, and that's kind of you know yep. factored into the situation, I suppose. And yeah, I, I saw United doing something along those lines. Been a lot of flight cancellations. Uh, everybody's yeah. pointing fingers. Some are pointing to the FAA. Some are. I mean, it's just a lot of finger pointing in every different. There's direction. so many fingers to count. How many people are pointing at what different direction? I think. Yeah. Well, but the thought that comes through my mind is, you know, all of these canceled flights per se, yeah. and there have yeah. been, quite honestly, over the culmination of days, many, many, many thousands of flights oh, yeah. that have been canceled. Well, there should be a sale on jet fuel coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's crazy, Matt. You know, we've also heard going into July 4 that it was going to be record setting, right? A uh, company out there was saying, oh, it's going to be record setting travel. Having said that, I mean, demand is very strong for gasoline. And by the way, jet fuel right now is um, is pretty cheap um, across the country. Jet fuel uh, is very close to one of the cheapest products right now. Now, the good news is, is actually all the products, gasoline, diesel and jet fuel are all pretty reasonable right now. Um, but to your point, there's there's been a lot of jet fuel consumption. And by the way, um, talking about going back to uh, July 4 consumption, consumption was strong. Uh, according to Gas Buddy data, uh, we model consumption for last week um, as I quickly try and pull up. Not quite at record levels. Uh, some companies were saying record levels. Uh, we indexed gasoline demand last week uh, to about 9.45 million barrels a day. That's still a little bit below the record of 2019 uh, that was set at 10 million barrels a day. So wow. strong holiday. And Matt, you know, the really interesting thing about um, about that, that promotion on July 4, I told you it's the weakest day for gasoline demand. Um, the really interesting fact is that every, and we've talked about this acronym before, PAD, P-A-D-D, the region of the country sliced into five different PAD, Petroleum Administration for Defense Districts Regions. And we look at numbers in each one of those regions. The only region that saw an increase in gasoline demand on Tuesday, which was July 4, compared to the prior Tuesday, was the region of the country that Sheets operates in. Wow. Uh so, so what we're saying here is that low, low gasoline price boosted demand from last week, and it was the only region of the country that saw uh, an increase on Tuesday compared to the prior Tuesday. Every other region was down significantly. By the way, I haven't, I haven't shared these numbers anywhere. Um, so for example, uh, Pad Region 1, gasoline demand on Tuesday was up 4.2% from the prior Tuesday. Pad two, it was down eight and a half percent. Pad three, it was down eighteen point one percent on July four. Uh, pad four was down nine point seven percent. Pad five was down eleven point two percent. The national change in gasoline demand was down about six point three percent on Tuesday compared to the prior Tuesday. So, again, um, pretty astonishing that Pad one, where the gasoline was heavily discounted, saw a big jump. In gasoline demand compared to last week, every other region was down significantly. Hmm. So that's that's telling us that people were flocking to the pumps on July four in the regions or the with region the good deals. with the good deals. exactly, which yeah. isn't surprising, but it's kind of it's kind of cool to quantify that. 
I uh, I wish I had had one of those stations near me, but I, I do not. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for that price, Matt, I wonder if they would, you know, if you rolled up with a big pickup truck with like a 500 gallon tank in the back, I wonder what they would say. <laughs> you would think that the limit would be like, you know, limit 20 gallons, limit 30. You know what I'm saying? Like find a limit and say, no, you're limited to this. But maybe they didn't. Maybe they're just like, nah, it doesn't matter. Drink, I mean, it was, it, was, it was advertised, right? So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I, I guarantee you there were people going out there and filling up gas cans. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, lawnmowers and stuff. Sure. Why not? I, I can, but at I least can. it's not the colonial pipeline outage. Hopefully nobody was filling up plastic bags with cheap gas. Mm, yeah, that would be bad. That would be very <laughs> bad. Hey, I do have a question regarding gasoline prices, especially on the crude oil side. We are seeing prices um, increase as of the recording of this. Uh, some yep. of it, depending upon uh, which block I'm looking at on my screen right now, uh, shooting up some 3% in price point as we are recording this. And then before you make a comment on that, I'm also seeing, um, you know, that Strait of Hormuz there uh, in, in the Iran area. Yeah, uh, yeah. A Navy warship has just fired on an oil tanker in the Strait of Hormuz. Um, Iranian Navy, by the way, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you. An Iranian Navy warship. Things have kind of been simmering there. I know Iran has seized a couple of uh, commercial oil tankers. Now they're apparently firing shots at an additional oil tanker. At what point do we see some of this having an impact on the global price of crude oils? <laughs> I mean, for those who are not familiar, the Strait of Hormuz is quite a... I yeah. guess, uh, and a very important and strategic um, area of the world when it comes to crude oil, uh, you know, transportation mm -hmm. and transferring that oil. Yeah, that it is. Um, and it really depends, Matt. Now, it was kind of interesting. And as you mentioned, uh, Iran's Navy uh, was firing upon a ship that uh, has generally been uh, utilized by Chevron. And the U.S. Navy came in to... Um, Intervene? To basically dissolve it. Yeah, intervene. Perfect. Uh, to intervene in the situation. So it, it, it just goes to show that, you know, um, Iran, tensions with Iran are, are still at a, a higher level. And, you know, one, one uh, ultra large crude carrier or ULCC can carry a couple million barrels of oil. Um, so, you know, people see that, oh, they seized oil. Oil prices are going to shoot up. Not necessarily. These ULCCs are the biggest boats so to speak, that haul crude oil on the water. But still, we're talking about 2 million barrels. Um, and 2 million barrels, uh, to put that in context, the, the global economy consumes uh, over 100 million barrels a day. So it's, it's notable, but it's not necessarily a big enough disruption or a permanent enough disruption to really cause oil prices to rally. But it's something to keep an eye on. If this is a growing trend, um, it could be, um, could be more significant. Now, um, it should not have much of an impact on what you're paying at the pump. Now, having said that, um, over the weekend as well, Saudi Arabia extended their production cuts to August. They were going to just do them in July. And keep in mind, the last OPEC meeting, right, Saudi decided, Saudi Arabia decided to go ahead and cut above and beyond what OPEC was willing to do. So Saudi Arabia cut a million barrels for July. And so far, the price of oil has fallen on its face, right? That, yeah. that failed. To do anything so unsurprisingly saudi arabia has extended that production cut to august and I, i'm still of the belief matt that that's going to have a, uh that's going to lead to problems down the road but right now uh, the the cut in production from country like saudi arabia is being offset by weakness in the global economy 
And so they're so trying to cut supply. What, yeah. So basically but what Saudi demand Arabia is going down more. And what Saudi Arabia did was they literally almost shot themselves in the foot, so to speak, because it it, it failed. They're they're correct. They're out now. Now, now, now they're not even taking in as much revenue. Right. Because right. they're producing less and the, the price of oil failed to rally. So, yeah, they you know, that's why they continue to they're going to get more desperate here. That's why they extended the production cut another month. But the oil market is still not really doing a whole lot. We're sitting here at about $72 a barrel. We're up $2 a barrel from uh, last week. But, I mean, keep in mind, Saudi Arabia, um, they were cutting production to try and get us to 80. And we've come nowhere near because there's been a lot of weakness in the global economy. And speaking of that, uh, and by the way, for a very quick correction, uh, the Iranian uh, Navy warship, there were two oil tankers within about three yes. hours apart that they, and mm -hmm. I want to I mention both of those, not just a single uh, approach on that. But that being said, obviously, that's not the only global issue. You've also got, we've talked about it several times, the situation in Ukraine. And I'm just noticing, for example, the Chinese President Xi warning Putin against using nukes in Ukraine. So even the Chinese officials are saying, hey... Uh, don't do that. Don't 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 use nuclear warfare in Ukraine. What happens to the price of oil and everything else? I mean, I realize that's a very loaded question, but the reality is, oh boy, if if Putin were to just literally go off the rails and say, I don't care what China wants me to do, that'd I be don't doomsday. Care. Well, that's what I'm concerned about. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm well, asking the question. And when you say that'll be doomsday, can you kind of qualify that a little bit? What exactly do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, even even China's coming out clearly positioning themselves against saying the don't do nuclear this. weapons. Yeah. And and the problem then is that that more countries will cut off the flow of Russian oil. Even China could be pressured to cut the flow of or cut their buying of Russian oil, which is going to tilt the delicate balance of global supply and demand because Russia is the second largest oil producer globally behind the United States. And all of a sudden, if they use nukes, there's going to be a lot more pressure for countries to stop buying Russian oil. And that's that could eventually mean that Russian oil is not part of the global amount of supply, right? Because if they put it behind sanctions, if nobody wants to buy it, that's going to put a lot more squeeze on everyone else. It's let me say it this way. For those that know the home market, right, is set by a buyer and seller. Home prices have been have been easing slightly. There's still a lot of houses on the market. But if Russia were to use nukes in Ukraine and more countries were to suddenly stop buying that Russian oil or refuse to, um, you know, that's kind of akin to the housing market suddenly losing a lot of, of homes on the market. Suddenly there's less supply. And so, you know, suddenly prices would, would jolt higher. So that that's the risk is it further destabilizes um, oil markets. And we're talking about a major oil producer. So th there would probably be far reaching consequences. And Matt, if oil prices did rally, which I would expect if that was the case, it'd probably push the global economy to slow down even further, given that energy prices could be much higher and interest rates have been very high. So that could tip the global economy into more of a severe recession. Yeah, and that, um, it, you know, again, I'm looking at all these different uh, types of like Bloomberg, for example, um, you know, uh, the United States has sent a radiation detector into the area, uh, in, including that's telling uh, uh, it is it is and and you know, they've even sent um, you know, a, a plane, uh, a U.S. Air Force decision to dispatch a Boeing WC-135R Constant Phoenix aircraft. Um, that's a little bit of a 
that's a little bit of a concern. It can register radioactive releases in real time. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, you're right. That is very telling that obviously um, there's some rhetoric out there, but there may also be some genuine concern. Otherwise, why would you uh, relocate equipment um, that, you know, if it were all rhetoric and there were really no concern, why would you relocate that equipment into right. the area? You know, um, so that that is something I guess for gas prices, especially for us to kind of really kind of keep an eye on, because um, I mean that that could I mean and the and the psychology behind it, Matt. You yeah. know, if 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 you know, say you're watching the TV, Matt, you see that that's probably going to make you feel more pessimistic, and that's going to influence your appetite for wanting to spend money, right? You might get a little bit more worried and say, I got to batten down the hatches. I got to be more careful because this is not good news, right? Is how would you feel as a consumer? Yeah. You know, I, that would probably, that would worry me, you know, seeing Russia use nukes, I'd feel less secure. I think you probably would too. And then inevitably that's going to affect our attitude on, on how much we're buying or how much we are, we are saving for, you know, in case something happens. Well, a bipartisan um, resolution in the U.S. Senate uh, a few days ago uh, is warning Russia of a radiological attack that it could trigger a wider North Atlantic Treaty Organization, a NATO involvement in the conflict. In other words, surprise, go, surprise. Yeah, you go ready. <laughs> and it was bipartisan. So this is not just Republicans, right. just Democrats. It's it's everybody at the whole saying, hey, you do something like that. You yeah. can expect a massive response from NATO. You will be at war with NATO. Yeah, that just I mean, well, Russia's thing, already made that. You know, Russia already made that miscalculation, right? They, they figured that this was going to be um, send a signal not to expand NATO. And if anything, it has solidified. increased the, the resolve of NATO. Absolutely. Yeah. No, there's no question about that. So that is a, that is an area, in, at least in my mind, uh, an area of concern, because as you mentioned, it, it could create a very serious issue even on oil prices. But beyond that, yeah, the overall economy globally, uh, when you're talking about something like that, could really essentially create a hiccup uh, in yeah. the situation to not exactly know what's going on with all of that as well. Um, you know, gas prices, for example, aside from any, you know, hurricanes, uh, Russian situations, you know, <laughs> right. Aside from any hiccups, if you will, what are we looking at if everything kind of stays uh, status quo for the kind of the second half of mm -hmm. summer. I know summer just began on June 20th, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the, the, the remaining. It feels like July 4th is kind of the turning point, doesn't it? I it's know, like, right? But you know, now we have two of the summer holidays down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Except, you know, summer actually begins on like June 20th, June 21st. So we're barely technically into summer, but keeping right. in mind, summer goes to like September 20th, which is moving toward more fall. Uh, at, right. attitude. So what are we kind of looking at for these price points that, you know, Again, all the concerns aside, what do you kind of see going forward? Well, I think there's going to be a little bit more downward pressure on what we're paying at the pump. Um, you know, that's normal this summer because, um, you know, we've had now we've had now six weeks, Matt, really, since the well, really five weeks since um, since retailers could only sell summer gasoline. And we've had now um, even longer than that, um, about nine weeks. Uh, since refineries started producing summer gasoline. So where I'm going with that is that every week we continue, there's going to be more supply, right? Because refineries are outpacing supply um, 
and how much they're producing. And so that should put downward pressure on prices. And I think by, I think by Labor Day, um, by the way, we stand at, at uh, basically 350 a gallon here today for a national average. Um, I would th- I think that by Labor Day, maybe we'll be in the 340s. If there's no hurricanes and if things are bumpy, we, you know, it's not impossible. We could be a little lower yet. Um, and then by the fall, uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, um, you know, some have, have, have seen some of the comments that we made. There is a potential that later this fall, Matt, maybe between Halloween and Thanksgiving, I know that's a long time away, um, we could see a national average under $3 a gallon. So, you know, and, and keep in mind, um, that's not necessarily great news. That's, that's a little bit of, of pessimism there because the economy is slowing down. Uh, we heard today from uh, Jerome Powell uh, from the Fed Minutes from last month's meeting that more more rate increases, uh, interest rate increases are coming. Yeah, at and a that's going to but still coming. Right, exactly. So that that's going to that's going to put more pressure on the economy, Matt. And they're still above their their target inflation index. So they've got more work to do in slowing the economy down. And basically, that more work to do is also going to slow down consumption. So I think um, I'm hopeful that between Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, those of us that like filling up for less than $3 might be happy. Boy, if I am currently at less than $3, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going Ooh, to be. Oh boy, Matt, you know, you could be you could be, <sighs> you know, 250 to 275 a gallon. So I would love that feel a lot more normal, but keep in mind too. Um nobody's got a crystal ball. I would love to. I'd be on some Pacific island. Um <laughs> Right. All inclusive, just having a cigar and just relaxing, having some bourbon. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we've already seen a couple tropical storms since last time we spoke. And um, Mother Nature is really going to start ramping up as the Atlantic gets warmer. The tropics get warmer. The Caribbean gets warmer. Um, And so, you know, uh, mid-August, there's still the potential that could uh, derail that projection of a sub $3 price later this fall. And I, I think the things that could derail that from happening are a major hurricane striking somewhere between Louisiana and Texas, um, or if there's some about face in the U.S. economy. Um, but, you know, it's it's very difficult to quantify the risk of those. And truly, yeah, and truly in the Gulf of Mexico, again, under a typical yeah. normal, normal, normal year, you're looking at mid to late August through the month of September and the first exactly. couple of weeks of October. Yeah. That is typically uh, when you see the most development in the Gulf of Mexico, which I guess is where the bulk of the oil rigs that are, are of areas of concern, if you will. Uh, for that. So I guess, is there any chance I could get to a buck 99? Is it, is that in your crystal ball anywhere? Do you see that? Uh, it's, it's, it's nowhere in the crystal ball, at least, Darn. you know, it's, it's kind of hazy. I can't tell if it's a one or a two in the crystal ball. We'll just, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say it that way. Each time I shake it, it's just a little too hazy. Um, I think that's a little <laughs> too optimistic, I but hope. Matt, never, never say never. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, it's an extremely long shot, but so is six bucks a gallon. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Those are, those are both very, very long shots. Um, but, but we'll see, you know, uh, we, we still have, you know, eight weeks left of summer. This is very, very true. So we will definitely keep a very watchful eye on that as well. Um, anything else that you can uh, think of that 
you really kind of want to bring to the limelight, so to speak, uh, in this particular uh, episode. I know that there's a lot of geopolitical aspects. I know there's a lot of issues there. Oh yeah. We talked about the hurricanes. We've got, we've got issues everywhere across the planet, but seldom do we never not have issues. So it's kind of a, you know, a par for the course, so to speak, anything out there that's really kind of got your attention and you're like, boy, we need to mention this. You know, I, I think it's pretty, uh, it's been pretty quiet uh, aside from that. You know, uh, we did break out of that range map. The national average did finally fall under the 350 mark just in time for July 4. So looking at the national average today, we are at the lowest level that we've been since April. So that's some good news to, to take home with you. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, it's been quiet. So get out there, travel, enjoy the summer months. That's what we're here for. Um, as it turns out today, Chicago is under another flood watch. Um, it turns out that. that you know, I needed a little bit of an arc here to survive. Um, and uh, I, I'm hopeful that I won't have to build another arc. So while everyone else is on the road enjoying things, I'm, I'm, I'm at home building an arc. Well, that's that's never fun. And, you know, if you recall uh, 11 years ago, uh, we're, we're going to be keeping a watchful eye on the NATO summit uh, that's going to be taking place yes. next week in Lithuania, because I'm sure they'll have some statements regarding Ukraine. But if you remember 11 years ago, that summit was held in Chicago. It was. It was a very different. And you were there. I was there. Uh, you are absolutely right with my media credentials and all that craziness going on. And it was crazy. Uh, but weather wise, 11 years ago, it was so hot in Chicago and dry and never raining. And here you are, I think in what, a 24 hour period, you got six, seven inches of rain at your house. Yeah. And, and, uh, national weather service says if you get caught under a uh, rain today, we could get another two to four inches oh, locally. Boy. So, um, I actually think, you know, they said it was record setting. I looked at, and by the way, um, I'm, I nerd out about infrastructure and I know some of the other folks that follow me on Twitter do the same. So <laughs> shout out to those guys. Uh, Chicago actually has one of the world's largest system. I think I said it was the world's largest underground tunnel system flood mitigation programs. Um, if anyone hasn't read about it, it is fascinating how many um, water storage facilities we have in the city, Matt. Right oh, now, yeah. some of the 17.5 billion gallons of storage, a lot of it's filled up because of the tremendous rain. So if you want something to Google on and get a tour on, it's called the Chicago TARP system. Um, and again, the, the tarp system is tunnel and reservoir plan. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. It's just like gas prices. It's, you know, some of these tunnels, Matt, 33 feet in diameter. So not to get too far off the subject, uh, but what a massive project that by the way, um, has been undergoing since the 1970s. So imagine those fuel costs, how, how the people that are doing the construction, how the price of diesel has changed from 1970 when the project oh, yeah. started to 50 years, 50 years, um, you know, down the line today. Well, Chicago is the only city that I know of really anywhere that decided to take their river and make it flow backwards, uh, artificially. So, I mean, they, they have a tendency to do some really interesting projects. And by the way, the other day they, they reversed it, it back to Lake Michigan. So, you know, welcome to the jungle, Matt. <laughs> Welcome to the, I mean, the concrete jungle, right? That's why we need these mitigation plans because yeah. there's, you know, aside from my tiny little parcel of grass, which my uh, German shepherd, uh, I mean, he's got about 10 feet to run and he loves to tear the grass up. There's not a whole <laughs> lot of grass in this concrete jungle. Yeah. And that means a lot of runoff. No, that, that that's a very good point. And, you know, uh, and, and I guess a lot of cities are like this, but I know Chicago, for example, has basically upper levels of streets and lower levels of streets down below, yep. you know, what looks like the surface streets. Well, there's usually a street directly underneath it, especially around the loop area. 
uh, of downtown. Or there's Chicago. tunnels. Yeah, yeah those tunnels. those coal tunnels. And then, you know, there was that one year that somebody drilled into one of the tunnels under the bridge and then the Chicago River started inundating it. The great Oops. Chicago flood. <laughs> Oops, but um, mistake. <laughs> for anyone that's not in Chicago, I hope you're getting out there, enjoying the summer weather, hit the road. Gas prices are relatively low. Don't forget to pack your Gas Buddy app. Of course, you can sign up for the Pay With Gas Buddy card. Of course, Matt, I, you have that by now, right? You use the Pay With Gas Buddy card? I do, and it saves me money, and I'm so happy about that, by the way. It, I love hearing about saving I, people money. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I love saving money. Why pay more? I was in three states uh, earlier this week on a Monday, and I know, for example, I was in Illinois, and the price was literally Ooh, about ouch. seven. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> seventy a gallon higher than in Kentucky or Missouri, the other two states that I happened to be in, uh, and Tennessee. Uh, also, not looking too terrible, but Illinois by far the highest price point of gas that I had to pay. And of course, the further uh, what I call inland that you go inside Illinois, the you, you kind of yeah. Well, and you have to pay the price. It's not like you can hop on over the state line and go get cheaper gas. You know, if you're a hundred miles or so inside Illinois, you're you're going to be paying that three. 380, 390 a gallon, whatever they want to charge. Well, and, and keep in mind too, Matt, Indiana has really raised its gasoline tax in the last couple of years as well. So, I, I you know, Chicago's on the border, two states here. I can get to Indiana and Wisconsin relatively quickly. Indiana used to be really good, but Matt, the secret is now in Wisconsin. Kenosha, plus, you know, it's Wisconsin. Cheese curds and and beef jerky. Mm, I'm, I'm, I'm going north now. And now I'm hungry. I could use some cheese curds right about now. I miss those. I miss those. I really do. All right. Well, well, you know, on your on your road trip, your next road trip, pack yeah. your gas buddy card, stop for some cheese curds or beef jerky. Or Chicago, Matt, you'll need that arc I'm building. <laughs> well, no problem. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take the train. <laughs> I'll just take the train. We'll see what happens from there. I'll Either way, I'm. Let's let, let's hit the road. Let's do what everyone else is doing. Hopefully, on the road as they listen to this, enjoying their summer, enjoying the cheap gas, and let's fire it up. Let's hit the road, Matt. Uh, we may have something to tease in the next few weeks about doing exactly that, uh, possibly Ooh. even sending both of us into a different time zone for let's, a few days. Yeah, maybe. Uh, hey, let's let's leave a little hint. A we little might hint. be going out out west. Yeah. I hear the boss. Yeah, maybe. The boss is up above us. Uh, kind of heard heard our pleas to go on a trip, and I, I think they're going to let us. So we're we're gonna. We, you know, I, we're still in the planning stage. We'll figure it all out. But uh, that's yeah, right. Maybe the next few weeks we'll be able to tease it a little bit better and and give you some details on that. Well, the, looking forward to that. Yes. And in the meantime, we love hearing questions from you. We love getting responses from you. Uh, you are free to message any one of us. I know I've had several folks follow even my Twitter feed for everything over a barrel mat. Of course, Gas Buddy Guy, Patrick DeHaan, uh, who has many thousands upon thousands upon thousands. He's, he's a celebrity. I mean, it is what it is. We'll, we'll, we'll just kind of put it like that. And, He's he's actually gonna. I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I I don't know if I'd go that far, Matt. I'm just I'm just some dude that knows it knows a couple things about. I thinks I know a couple things about gas prices. Well, well, we'll go with that then. But you can get a hold of him at Gas Buddy Guy, and of course, over a barrel show, uh, we'll get a hold of both of us there. Make sure you follow our Twitter, and you can even email us, right, Patrick? That's right, Matt. Uh, if you want to shoot the program uh, an email, podcast at gasbuddy.com. 
um, is where you can uh, shoot us an email. Or like Matt said, reach us on social. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. That's going to do it right here on Over a Barrel. You have yourself a great one.